The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning. Nice to see you all here. Um, Just a couple of things that I want to say. Thank you, Musos, for keeping it real. Band. Um, It's not easy to get up and play and and just have fun. And so even though um, you could tell by their facial expressions that they weren't necessarily happy with what they were doing, they did great. Thank you. And I love that we can keep it real and and, um, have fun (laughs) Um, because none of us are perfect. Um, And so... um, I have the privilege of um, speaking to you today um, about how we can be wise with our wealth. And um, I've got the, the baton. I'm the slowest runner out of the team, and yet they've given me the finishing baton, which is, which is not what you do in athletics. <laughs> so, so let's hope we can finish this race, let alone win it. Um, But one of the things that um, I love is the things that we've looked at have been very practical uh, and it's been helpful and we we just hope that it has been helpful. Um, And so we've, um, if you've, this is your first time or you've missed a couple of weeks so far, the things that we have looked at is um, what the Bible says about wealth um, and uh, we've looked at some of the biblical and practical principles about um, how we can be good stewards of, of our wealth that God's given us. And um, then last week, you know, we actually discovered who owns it all. Um, and, you know, it's not us, supposedly. Um, and so this week, as we conclude this series, um, we want to talk a little bit about how wealth fits in with the idea of eternity, Um, Because if we don't own this stuff and we're only here, you know, for a short while, um, how does it fit in the long-term view, in the long-term plan? Um, Jesus taught about storing up treasures and receiving rewards and how we're going to have an inheritance. Um, And all these things we can look forward to in heaven. Um, Now, to be honest with you, I have never actually stopped to think about what these will be or what they'll look like. Now, if you're like me and you've grown up in Sunday school or you've been in church long enough, hopefully you've heard a few things. And it could be things like crowns and um, jewels and um, mansions and, you know, this amazing concept of being able to worship Jesus without getting tired um, and without running out of songs to sing. Um, And scripture also talks about like a new heaven and a new earth and dazzling cities and streets of gold and, you know, a river that's going to be flowing out from the middle of the city and there's not going to be any pain and there's not going to be any death and there's no more curses that we have to worry about. And if that's not enough, we'll get to see all the people that have already died and and loved Jesus and we get to be reunited with them and, and just, 
you know, like it's going to be forever. And we're also going to meet all these people that we keep hearing about in the Bible, like a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and other people that we've read their stories and, and how they lived their life and, and saw incredible things that God did for them. And if that's not enough, we'll get to rule with Jesus. But wait, there's more. Yes, we get to rule with Jesus forever. Like that's, that's all a very interesting bunch of things to think about. Um, I, I'm a very practical person, so I don't daydream a lot. Um, I, I like to visualize things. I like to kind of grab things practically. But someone very recently... Um, very kindly, gave me this book. It's called All Things New. Now, I don't know if you've read it, um, and if you, if you haven't read it, um, I recommend you read it because um, I'm not going to talk anymore about what these rewards could possibly look like and what they will be, I know, disappointing. I should, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to allow you to dream about that and to daydream about that and to dig into that a little bit more. But this book really helped me imagine. This book really helped me, based on scripture, think about what heaven could possibly be like, what the new heaven, the new earth could be like. And so um, I suggest you get a copy and you read it. Um, And there's so many questions. Like not only are these the rewards we're looking forward to, but will we all get the same reward? Or will we have different amounts of rewards? And... How will it all work? So today my focus in trying to fit all of that in is to just try and focus on not so much what these treasures and rewards will be, um, but how we can invest what we have now so that we can actually get the rewards We'll actually have all eternity to figure out the rewards and work it out and spend it and live it and enjoy it. But what are we to do now in storing up these rewards and riches? And how can we build up our inheritance, so to speak? Now, a financial planner will advise you on how to create wealth. Hopefully that will last your retirement. Um, A good financial planner will not only give you a plan, but they'll check in with you to make sure you're on track and that you're achieving your goals and your, your, um, your plans, your objectives. But a great financial planner will not only give you advice, not only keep checking with you, but what they will do is be proactive about how they can make your investments outlast you. That's their goal. That's a great financial planner's goal. And as I look in the Bible, I I can see that Jesus is our ultimate financial planner, if I can say that. As we heard last week... He owns everything anyway. (laughs) But he's keen to give us the strategies on how to invest his wealth while we're here on earth. But get this, so that we can have eternal dividends. 
so that we can reap the rewards. Jesus never says, invest your wealth here. Or, you know, like he gives crazy advice, like sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's crazy, crazy advice. But he doesn't say that so that he can accumulate riches in heaven. He says that so that we can store up rewards and, and re- reap the rewards in heaven. So if we look at some scriptures, for example, in Luke, it says... Uh, And I'm reading today from the NLT. So if you're worried about why I don't have a Bible up here, it's because I don't own an NLT version. Um, Yes, but I've got it all typed here, just so you know. And if you have an NLT, uh, a second edition version, you'll know that I'm actually reading scriptures here. Don't let it distract you. I just thought some of you might not have noticed it, but if you'd noticed it, then you stop listening and you'll be worried. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old. They don't go out of fashion. They don't develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And that's, we're talking about rewards and, and, and treasure. But then there's also like a spiritual element to it. And so Peter reminds us, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now I just want to say here, if you're here and you don't understand what Crystal so beautifully shared about in communion, and you haven't really made a commitment to follow Jesus, this, is, this scripture is for you. There is an inheritance of salvation, everlasting life, that is your reward that's waiting for you. And so perhaps you can think about that, and if you have questions, come and see one of us at the end, but consider it and think about it. And ask and, and seek it out. So, if Jesus is, were to present us with a statement of advice, which is what financial planners do, what would he say? Firstly, he would advise us to invest in secure, long-term investments that will yield the greatest return, which equals eternal treasures and rewards. It's not, it's not for the here and now. And why, why should we consider Jesus' suggestion or Jesus' portfolio, if, you, if I were to use those words? Because life is short. James says that in the scriptures, but other places in Ecclesiastes and different places says, life is short. It's like a mist. It's like a fog. It's like grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. Wealth is temporal, right? It can be stolen, it can rot, 
it can it needs to be replaced um it's it's just not something that'll just keep going and going and going and last week there's the and hopefully at connect group this week you would have looked at that scripture in Matthew that talked a little bit about that and heaven is better i know we haven't been to heaven but heaven is better because it is for real it is forever we don't know what it looks like but if you can imagine the best best thing whether it's the best food the best place the best experience whatever it is that's the best thing you can imagine we're told that it's going to be better <laughs> and that's unimaginable um and the last thing why we need to consider the portfolio that Jesus offers us is that we will have to give an account we will have to give an account to god like we heard last week if we are stewards if we are managers if we are people that are just overseeing the discharge of god's wealth then as servants of his commands we will have to explain to him and give accounts um and let's let's look at a, a book in the bible for example Ecclesiastes. Now, we don't often look at Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiastes is a very interesting book. It's very I suggest if you can to read it through from beginning to end in one sitting if it's possible because it makes a lot of sense and there's a lot of interesting things in there that would help us think. But see all of the things that are all the scriptures I put up there before in that slide before was in the New Testament and it's Jesus's teaching or the disciples of Jesus's but centuries before Jesus even came on earth this writer this teacher this ruler had done so much research based on his own experience based on study based on everything he writes this book called Ecclesiastes And the interesting thing that he says is that he comes to the conclusion that life under the sun, which is the life that we live here on earth, is meaningless. And it's a chasing after the wind. What an interesting concept. Chasing after the wind. And he comes to the conclusion right at the end of the book that the only thing or the things that are worthwhile and meaningful are the things that will outlast us things that are eternal um so here's a summary of a few verses in the middle around the middle of the book that I'm going to read to you those who love and this is particularly about wealth he says those who love money will never have enough how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness the more you have the more people come to help you spend it so what uh, everybody said yes what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers people who work hard sleep well whether they eat little or much but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep there's another serious problem i have seen under the sun hoarding riches not saving but hoarding riches harms the saver money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost in the end there is nothing left to pass on to one's children 
We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. I don't know about you, but just in the last two months, I have been to five funerals. Think about the last funeral you went to. Even culturally, if things were put into the coffin, was it going to be helpful for the person that was in the coffin? I think we dress the people in the coffin for our own benefits. (laughs) Cool book, Ecclesiastes. Anyway, Randy Alcon, who's the person that we've been reading more to kind of cite from this, as part of this series, he gives a great illustration. And it might be helpful for us to think about this. Suppose I say to you, I can give you $1,000 today. No strings attached. Just like Oprah, if you look under your seats, you can walk home with $1,000. And you can spend it on whatever you like. Whatever you like. You don't even have to give a tithe on it. But if you're able to wait a year from today, I'll give you $10 million. And then every year after that, you will get $10 million. What would you choose? Just the $1,000, yeah. So, so just as an interesting thing, like what would you choose? Tell the person next to you what you would choose and why you would choose that. Okay, all right. Some of you are not talking to the person next to you. I'm assuming because you've already decided. It's like, I don't have to think about this. Other people, you're already talking about how you're going to spend it. I just said to decide what you're going to choose. But it seems that if we're asked to choose between the reality of what we could have right now and today... And if there's an assurance of something that is promised in the future, what would we choose? And this is a test. Do we really believe what the Bible says about eternal rewards and riches and treasures? And if we do, then the choice is simple. And this, again, is what gets to me, is that Jesus is asking us to store up our rewards and our riches in heaven for ourselves, not for him. He wants us 
to enjoy eternity. <laughs> All right, so that's the first thing. The first thing is to just think long term and to put our investments, choose wisely about our investments. Second thing, our greatest financial planner would say, is that he would, he's outlined a couple of strategies for us to help us because that's what a great financial planner would do. The first strategy is that we make daily lifetime decisions and follow through with actions. I think there's a slide for this. So strategy number one, a lifetime of daily decisions followed through with action. What we do with the things that God's given us, and I know we've been talking a lot about money, but can we extend that, right? And and some of this week, we in in a couple of our connect groups, we had some great discussions, and and it was really amazing and insightful because we came to the conclusion that it's not just our money. We don't own ourselves. <laughs> Because we've been bought with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ. So it means that our time, our energy, our talents, everything. What we do with all of those things will result in the loss or gain of eternal rewards. And let's look at Luke. Luke says another exciting thing. Uh, this is Jesus sharing a parable to his disciples because, you know, Peter's wonderfully asked the question, so Lord, are you talking to them or are you talking to us? <laughs> and this is how Jesus answers. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. So it's about the servant every day making a decision to follow through on what the master has asked him to do. That's the first strategy. The second strategy is that what we do and how we do it matters. Sometimes we make it just about what we do. But actually, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about how we do actually matters. And some of them are really scary. And I'll just share a couple with you. And they're both in Corinthians. The first scripture says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, who is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Just like a normal fire in today's world shows what kind of buildings stand and what don't. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of fame, flames. It's 
Isn't that interesting? The second scripture. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, this is Paul talking, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove that I'm right or that I'm doing a good job. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Did you, did you hear that last? Then for he will bring our darkest secrets to light. So not only will he bring the secrets to light, but then he will reveal why they were secrets in the first place. It's very, it's very sobering. <laughs> it's very scary. And then Randy Alcon adds another quote. And he says, where we spend eternity, whether heaven or hell, depends on our faith. And that's what that first scripture is talking about. Where even if the work the, of the builder is burnt up, the builder won't suffer great loss. They will escape. But how real that faith will be demonstrated by our works. Now I know, and Crystal alluded to this in her communion message, works is kind of like a dirty word in church. Everybody wants to avoid the word works because it means rolling up your sleeves and doing something. So we all want to talk about grace. But let's see what the scripture says. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verses 8 to 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Remember that first scripture we read in 1 Peter? Through Jesus Christ, God has already given you an inheritance, salvation, which is being kept for you in heaven. So salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So why? So that none of us could boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he has planned for us to do. We're doing, he's planned it. And he's planned us to do good things so that he can give us a reward at the end. And, and encourage us and affirm us. Our works will not earn us entry into heaven. But... Any good works done in the name of the Lord, for his name, for his glory, and for those that are least in our society, God is very interested in and God cares about. In Matthew chapter 25 
And I highly, highly recommend that you read this chapter. I don't have time for us to read it now. And it is something that I would love if you can read, not just once, but several times this week, because it will challenge you. It challenges me every time I read it. Jesus shares three parables, which all show various aspects of eternal rewards. What separates the wise and the foolish, the faithful and the lazy, and the sheep and the goats is what they did and didn't do with their God-entrusted resources. That's what separates them. And ultimately, with the sheep and the goats, Jesus separates them. So... All of that to say, what are we to do from today on? How can we store up eternal rewards for ourselves? How can we make good, long-term, secure investments in this life? I know Hill said we're not qualified to tell you about investments I think the Bible gives us the top three investments that we can invest in very safely. And it's that. People. People are a long-term, worthwhile, secure investment. Not just Christians. doesn't matter whether they're Christians or they're not Christians. Caring for those in need, charities, intentional acts of kindness. I mean, God shows his love for people and how much he valued people. He sent his one and only son that he might not condemn the world but that through him that the world might be saved. The second investment is missions, the spread of the gospel. However it is, whether we go ourselves or whether we send people, that is a worthwhile investment because it means that there's opportunity for more people to be in heaven. And Paul talks about people being a reward. People that will never know in this life that might have benefited from your good work. And thirdly, the local church. Last week we heard about tithes and offerings. We're talking about projects. I mean, why are we even doing a building? Yes, it'll be nice to have toilets indoors. But that's not the only reason... That's not the only reason. We want to do other things. We want to have people come into this space. We want to have more people come and know Jesus. We want to do other things during the week. We want people that don't know Jesus to come and use this space. We also give to the local church because it is a place where we can do mission but also a place where we can grow ourselves. So what are the next steps? Right? 
you know what the strategies are, you know what your investment portfolio can look like and you know what the top three investments you can put your money into or your wealth, your time, your energy, your gifts. But this is what it comes down to. What are the next steps? Will you consider the financial plan or the statement of advice that Jesus has laid before you this morning? I I would love for you to consider it. Go home and read the scriptures again. If you've been writing down the scriptures from today, read those scriptures. Look at other scriptures and, and remind yourself of the value of accumulating treasures and rewards in heaven, not here. Make a commitment by giving Jesus the authority to implement his strategies. You're committing to give him authority to implement those strategies in your life. That is, are you able to trust that when you obey Jesus and you give things away, that you are storing up riches in heaven? And you know what? Jesus physically as a financial planner is not here to check in with you, but he sent his Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is with us every day, reminding us of what Jesus said and how we can do things. And he enables us and gives us the grace to do the things that we can't do on our own. Thirdly, let's change. It's one thing to know where to invest your money. It's another thing for the financial planner to tell you how to invest your money. But if you don't actually invest it, you're no better than when you started off. So change. Switch your investments. Switch your investments from earthly profits to eternal rewards. We have to do the work. We have to act. As I close, I would just love for you to close your eyes. I'm going to read another couple of passages from Ecclesiastes. But I'm going to give you a few moments just to think about what I've said. So close your eyes and reflect. Allow Holy Spirit to just whisper what he wants you to hear today. And as I close, I know some of you are visual, so I've got a slide for you to read what I'm going to read. But if you are more a listener, then keep your eyes closed and just listen and allow God's word, however you want it, whether you want to read it or whether you want to listen, allow his word to be the final thing that you hear. Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to 14. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. 
He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. People should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. I want to encourage you that as we've looked at being wise with wealth, let's not be condemned. Let's not think that God is wanting to take everything we have from us. He's not. He says in his word, enjoy the fruits of your labor. But this is the final conclusion that the teacher comes with and these are the last verses that he ends the whole book with. And this is my challenge and my encouragement to you. He says, that's the whole story. I've looked at all these things and here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you've been speaking to us and hopefully reminding us of things that you would have us do. We pray that as we think about these things and as we consider what you would have us do, as we commit to it, and as we make changes, will you help us? Will you be with us? Will you lead us and guide us? But also, will you keep reminding us of Jesus' promises, of what our rewards will be, and how we are storing up treasure in heaven, and that your heart is for us, and you want us to enjoy you and the gifts that you give us. So I pray that you will help us Make us fruitful. We ask for your blessing, Lord. We ask for your blessing. We thank you for your blessing. But help us to be generous with the blessings that you give us. Help us to invest those blessings wisely. For your name's sake, for your glory, and for your kingdom to be expanded. And we ask all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.